husbands, do you remember the first time you met your wife? Wives, do you remember the first time you met your husband? I remember. Just Nina was swept off her feet. No, 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 no. Sometimes those encounters were just delightful. Other times there were sparks and you wondered who was this other person. Well, today in our, in our Scripture, we get to that place where Isaac meets Rebekah for the first time. It is the longest story in the book of Genesis, except for the flood narrative, which takes three chapters. Genesis 24. And I am actually going to read this story because it's a delightful story, a marvelous, pristine story of the providence of God intersecting with the prayer of a believing person. It is a marvelous story foreshadowing the New Testament realities of what it means to be a Christian and to live like a Christian under the providence of God who superintends all things for His glory and who gives His people wisdom in the path as they go. It is a story, a marvelous story of friendship. One believer committed to the success and blessing of another. We kicked it off last week when, when Abraham told his servant to go find a wife for Isaac, and remember he said, do not find a wife from among the pagans. You go to the pagans, and you're going to turn his heart away from me. But now the servant, he is unnamed. Earlier on in Genesis, the servant's name was Eliezer. Maybe it's still Eliezer. Maybe it isn't. I'm not sure. I might slip and say Eliezer. It's not for sure that it still is. But picking up in verse 10, and I just didn't have enough room in your bulletin. On the back of your bulletin, uh, there is some of this passage. Starting in verse 10, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. That's where Abraham was originally from. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, Give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says drink, and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac." By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The girl was very beautiful, 
a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar in the trough and ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a bika and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, Whose daughter are you? Please, tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, bore to Nahor. And she added, We have plenty of straw and fodder, as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. The girl ran and told her household about these things. Now Rebekah had a brother, Laban, and he hurried out to the man at the spring. As soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and had heard Rebekah tell what the man had said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you who are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out here? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man went into the house, and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were brought for the camels, and water for him and his men to wash their feet. Then food was set before them. But he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. Then tell us, said Laban. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, men servants and maidservants, and camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given his son everything he owns. And my master made me swear an oath and said, you must not get a wife for him from the daughters of the Canaanites whose land I live, but go to my father's family and say to my own clan, get a wife for my son. Then I asked my master, what if the woman will not come back with me? He replied, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son from my own clan and from my father's family. Then when you go to my clan, you will be released from my oath, even if, they refuse, if, even if they refuse to give her to you, you will be released from my oath. Now, here's what the servant does. He recites everything again. 
And Moses, who wrote these words down, is just so enthralled with this story. He says, it happened exactly as the servant says. So here we go. You're going to hear these things again. He says, when I came to the spring today, I said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you will, please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I am standing beside the spring. If a maiden comes out to draw water and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar. And if she says to me, drink and I'll draw water for your camels too. Let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finished praying in my heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water and I said to her, please... Give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I'll water your camels also. I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Milcah bore to him. And then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms, and I bowed down and worshipped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, so I may know which way to turn. Laban and Bethuel answered, This is from the Lord, and we can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go, and let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver and jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, Send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, Let the girl remain with us ten days or so, then you may go. But he said to them, Do not detain me now that the Lord has granted me success to my journey. Send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they said, Let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebekah and asked her, Will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebekah on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. Then Rebekah and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebekah and left. Now Isaac had come from Behir Lahai Roy, for he was living out in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took up her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. 
Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her, and he was comforted after his mother's death. So far the reading of God's marvelous Word. This is an amazing story, pristine, ideal about the providence of God intersecting with the prayers of men as they seek to walk in wisdom before Him. The providence of God. God, the old Westminster Confession says, has foreordained whatsoever shall come to pass for His own glory. You heard the story about the guy driving to a very important business meeting, and as he circles through the town, he's looking for a parking space, and he's looking at his watch, and he's looking for a parking space, and he's almost late for the meeting, and sweat starts to pour down his forehead. He knows he's got to get to this meeting, and so at last, in exasperation, he throws up a prayer. He says, Lord, if you get me a parking space, I promise I'll come to church every Sunday for the rest of my life and I'll stop drinking and I'll never have another drink. And amazingly, a parking space opens up right before him and he turns and he says, never mind, Lord, I found one. It's a little too true, isn't it? It's the way many of us are. Oh, never mind, Lord, I I did it on my own. That's why the Bible has so many passages that say things like, oh, yeah, well, who gave you the strength? Who gave you the contacts to make your sale? Who gave you the brain to do your job anyway? But in the providence of God, this servant finds success for the master he loves And I just want to point out a few things now that really I could go sit down. The the text was so beautiful. But I just want to point out a few things to you and ask that God would give you what He gives in this passage. And the first thing I ask is that God would give you faithful friendships. Because this is a marvelous relationship between Abraham the master and his trusted servant that he sends out to do his bidding. And you notice just the devotion they have for each other and in particular the devotion that the servant has for Abraham. And it's really beautiful. Um, What is his agenda? His agenda is his friend's success. Do you have somebody in your life like that? I hope you do. I hope it's your small group leader, (laughs) your home fellowship leader, the elder that you're close to, your youth group leader, or or your women's Bible study leader. I'm not sure who you have. It may be someone else. I hope there's somebody in this church and someone in your life whose agenda includes blessing on you. That's a beautiful thing. The body of Christ should be that way. even more deeply, as you have this sense that Abraham has revealed to the servant his God and taught him the ways of God. 
And this is a marvelous picture because as he's praying, you hear things like this. He says, I praise the God of my master Abraham. Somehow, Abraham not only knows God, we know that Abraham knows God. He's the father of the faithful, but he has, by virtue of their lives rubbing together, he has introduced his servant to God, his buddy to God. And this is a marvelous picture. Friendships that are spiritually rooted and encouraging. I love this. My favorite uh, columnist is in World Magazine. I, the, when my World Magazine comes, I turn to the back where Andre Sue writes her, her uh, column. And she just is a fantastic wordsmith. And at the beginning of January, she wrote to her readers. She has several hundred thousand really devoted readers. And she says, uh, I have some uh, uh, desires for you in the new year. And the first thing I wish for you, friends, is that God will give you a friend, at least one, who has more faith than you do. I like that. She says, I, I pray that God will give you at least one friend, close friend, who is a little bit ahead of you in terms of walking by faith, repenting of their sins, seeking to do the things of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every one of us could say, you know what, I, I really want to identify who is that friend who is a little more mature, a little further along than I am. We've sometimes said it like this, everyone should have a Paul and everyone should have a Timothy. What do you think that means? Does that make sense? Do you remember? Paul mentored Timothy. Paul poured himself into Timothy and encouraged Timothy to be a stronger Christian. And Timothy, wow, what a blessing for him. He had Paul leading the way, encouraging him. Well, every one of us, wouldn't it be neat if every one of you say, I have a Paul, that is somebody who really is helping me grow here in the, in the body of Christ, and every one of you would also say, I have a Timothy, somebody else that I find I just step into their life and I encourage them in their faith, in their walk with the Lord. That's what's right before us with Abraham and his servant, and it's really very beautiful. The second thing you notice is this kind of praying that the servant does, and we call it prevailing prayer around here. You'll notice he doesn't just pray a short prayer, God is great, God is good, blah, 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 amen. He prays at the beginning of his mission. He prays in the middle of his mission. And he prays and worships at the end of his mission. It's a picture of what, again, the old Puritans called prevailing prayer. And some of you know what this is. Some of you, I know, I've been alongside you for years as you labor before God saying, Oh, Lord, hear my cry. Grant me success. Bring blessing in this area of life. I don't have to name them for you. Do not grow weary. Do not give up. Keep on keeping on in prayer, prevailing prayer. 
Like the woman, Jesus, Jesus commanded this. You know, Jesus says, remember that widow, she kept knocking. And some of you, can I just encourage you today? Keep knocking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That's what Jesus tells us to do. I think this is remarkable in our text because apparently this guy, this guy Abraham was your classic alpha male. He had to be. He had to be very successful, very competent. Remember, a couple decades ago, Abraham had a, a security force of, over, of about 320 men. So he had 320 uh, fighting men. He has all these herds and donkeys and camels, so he's a rancher. He has all these servants, so he's managing this huge enterprise. And who's in charge of it all? One man has risen to the top. One man is competent to be the right-hand man of the great Abraham. And it's this servant. He's got to be pretty special, don't you think? Talented. Gifted. And many of you are talented and gifted. And people look at you and they say, why, I know you. You just have it all together. And maybe you do. But that means nothing to this servant. He does not rely on his own cleverness. He does not rely on his own wit. He does not rely on his own charm. What does he rely on? He trusts in the Lord. He calls out to the Lord. He's a man of prayer. You know, he has this sense of immediacy in his prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is talking to God, and this guy is talking to God like God is actually there. Don't you like that? When you pray... Don't pray like, oh God, if you're there. Prevailing prayer is, is, is praying because God is here. He is with you. There is immediacy in prayer. There is dependency in prayer. Two things, very important for your prayer life. If you want to be a man or a woman or a child who learns to pray, immediacy, God, you are here, immediate, present, and dependent I'm counting on you, God. I'm trusting you, and we're going to prevail in this together. Jesus Christ lived this way. He said, For I came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. I do nothing except what I hear the Father saying. Jesus lived in prevailing prayer with his Father. May you live in prevailing prayer. The third thing that just jumps off the page at me is that God made this man wise. And I love this. And the Lord gives guidance through wisdom. Now, this will surprise some of you. Um, because, you see, when Eliezer gets to this city of Nahor, he starts to pray, Lord, lead me to the right woman. And when I ask her for water, if she says, let me water your camels too, let her be the one. And when people read that, some people think that what the servant is doing is he's just sort of giving God a test. Or he's telling God what to do so that he knows the way to go. Like laying out a fleece, like Gideon's fleece. And I don't think that's what's going on here at all. That's a shallow reading of this text. What's happening here is that he is asking God to reveal to him a woman of character 
that he may be wise in the choice of the woman he brings back to the son of his master. He wants a good woman for her. And so he, want, he is saying, Lord, you know, there's a dozen girls out there who give me a drink. But Lord, let me come across a woman who will actually not only just be courteous, but who also is hardworking, who also has industry, who also uh, likes to serve other people, and probably it's because she has a relationship with you. That's what's going on here. He's asking for wisdom. And so Rebecca, carrying maybe a three-gallon jar, maybe had to make 70 trips to fill up that trough. But there was something about her that was quite remarkable. And he was not asking, just asking God for a sign. He was asking God to give him the wisdom to identify a woman of good character for Isaac. He was going to be guided by wisdom here. And God guides you by wisdom too. You see this because, you see, it wasn't enough just that he found the woman who watered the camels. If, if he, he could have just taken, he could have been sure after she watered the camels. But he had to put two and two together. He had to go back and see what family she was from, whether she was in the faith. All of those things were in addition to that. So you see, this wasn't just a simple putting God to the test. He had to make sure it was just right, and he wanted the wisdom to do that. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs tells us again and again to seek wisdom and to make good choices about people. I had lunch with one of the members of our church, and he said, you know what I always tell my children? I tell them that you rise to the level of your companions. What do you think that dad is trying to teach his, his uh, children? He's trying to teach them that if you hang out with thugs... What are you likely to become? <laughs> if you're really interested in hanging out with people who don't give a hoot at all about any kind of work and they just want to ride the gravy train and they're lazy and, you, and that's, they're all, those are all your companions, what is likely to happen to you? What do you think? The, the, you know, the book of Proverbs is very um, serious in saying, be careful who you choose as your companions and your friends. And, and Isaac is reflecting this here. I'm sorry, the servant is reflecting this here. He's saying, who do you choose as this bride? And so he wants a woman. Um, he's wise in bringing her back. May God make you wise in what you are looking for in life, in companionship, in your goals, in your aspirations. And then this fourth thing we see played out here in the life of the servant is another wonderful New Testament reality. James Boyce in his commentary says this. I love this. He says, when a person is close to the Lord and walking in His way, other people will recognize it and get on board. And when we got down to verse 50, if you are still listening through this story, after the story's recorded and then he reiterates the whole story, what does Laban say? He says, this is of the Lord. This is from the Lord. Let's get on, let's get with this program. 
Let's go. And I like this. And I think it's a picture for us of how we should respond. And it's, it's really reinforced in the character of Rebecca herself. What a woman she is. Yes, first we see her character. She's courteous. Second, we see in her character she's industrious. Third, we see in her character she's hardworking and, and she's willing to do what it takes to get the job done. I remember my first job on the construction site. The owner of the construction company, when I would, he would say, sometimes you won't know what to do, but I'll tell you what, Yenchko, he would say, you do it until it's done. Get the job done. That's what I'm paying you to do. Kids, kids, you make a snack, you fix up a snack, and you take the dishes and you put them in the sink. And you think to yourself, well, that was a real blessing for my mom. I put the dishes in the sink. Right, moms? That's just great, isn't it? The job's not done until when? Until the dishes are either in the dishwasher or you wash them and put them away. Rebecca. Rebecca had that character. But you know what? The best thing about Rebecca... None of those other three things. The best thing about Rebecca is that when she sensed God was in it, she said, let's go. And suddenly she is just like the father of the faith, Abraham. Because if you've been paying attention through our journey, we're almost done with our study of the life of Abraham. But again and again and again, we read things like in Genesis 17, 23, when Abraham was told to circumcise his whole extended family, he says, on that very day, Abraham obeyed. When he was told to sacrifice Isaac at Mount Moriah, we are told, early the next morning he arose. And this very servant must have learned that from Abraham. No procrastination. No, gee, I wonder if God's in this. He, the servant, early the next morning, he was up and at it. And now Rebecca shows she has that same kind of faith like Abraham. And she says, I will go. And I hope this is true of you. To the teenagers of the church, when Brandon Cameron says, I would like us to study the book Mere Christianity on Wednesday night so we can go deep and learn how to defend our faith. And God is in it. You ought to be jumping over the pews to get there. That's what Rebecca would do. When Pastor Martin says to the young families, look, I know we're asking you to stay after church twice a month because we're going to have lunch together and we're going to explore what it means to be a young family that will be faithful to the Lord. And he asks you to do this. And, and if God is in it, you ought to be jumping over the pews to get there. If Pastor John says, I would love for you, and I send you a personal invitation to come to the greenhouse and grow in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ in, an, in a care, caring, loving, spiritually intentional way, and God is in it, Abraham, Rebecca, let's go. I hope that's in your character. So all of these things, may God bring you closer to Himself so that other people will recognize it. May God make you ready to get on board when God is at work. But finally, what is so wonderful about this long, pristine story is that it is a picture 
of how people become the bride of Christ. All the way back through the centuries, preachers like Ambrose of old and Augustine and others have looked at this, and they say, do you know what you see here? What you see here is the mighty Father who owns all things. Who does Abraham represent? He represents God the Father. Who is Isaac? Isaac, the one who is the promised son, the long-awaited son, who was sacrificed and then raised, as it were, from the dead, spared from death, but who was the sacrifice to atone for the sins of the people until God sent the substitute ram. Who is Isaac? Isaac, that long-awaited son, the beloved son, the only son. That is a picture of Jesus Christ. And who is the servant in this story? The servant is the one sent out who knows and goes and draws the bride in. Who is the servant? The servant is like the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, who is looking for you even before you know He's looking for you. This is true. Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm not a Christian. You know, I came because someone made me come today. (laughs) But guess what the Holy Spirit might be doing? The Holy Spirit just might be looking for you Even before you know, the Holy Spirit is looking for you. He was sent from the Father. He chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world, we are told. And God is sovereign in His election. And Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast away. Wow. Abraham, like God the Father. Isaac, like God the Son, Jesus Christ. The servant, like God the Holy Spirit. And Rebecca, Rebecca is us, the church. Those who are the bride of Christ, drawn inexorably, moved to say, I will go. And maybe today, maybe today God is moving you and you're saying, I've been coasting on cruise control for a long time. Now I'm going to go to God and get my life right with God. Some of you are saying, I've been treading water spiritually for the longest time, and I sense the Holy Spirit of God, like that wonderful servant of Abraham, is, is drawing me back. Is that true? This is a good day. This is a good day for all of us to thank God for sending His servant, the Holy Spirit, to come and waken us and quicken us and draw us us to Himself. Will you go with this man? I will go, she answered. Will you say the same thing? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Rebecca started out on that, that trip preparing joyfully to meet her husband, and we know that someday at the end of our life journey, we will meet Jesus Christ face to face. When He comes again in glory or we uh, pass from this world to the next, we will go. And if you're here today, and this is, this is touching your heart, and you have a sense that God is saying, I want to do business in your life. I want to bless you. I want to teach you about prevailing prayer. I want to give you a Paul, uh, someone like Abraham, to 
introduce you to the great things of knowing God, will you say, I will go. Here I am, Lord. This is a good day for us as a church family, Lord. We have enjoyed this beautiful baptism. We have enjoyed singing these marvelous songs you've drawn us. We've heard this great story that preaches itself. And now, Lord Jesus, we're going to confess our faith faith together in this final song. Offer ourselves in faith again to you and say, I want to be on board with what you are doing in this world, in this church, and in my life.